0: Now, here we are on a third day of our series through this Holy Week as we look at this last week of Jesus' ministry leading up to the cross. And so we started out this series at the House of Simon the Lever. We talked about how that we are all characters in the story of Jesus and that he is the hero of the story. Um, and then we've taken this, and you know, as we look at ourselves in this picture of God's narrative um, and realizing that this isn't about us, it's about Jesus, but he invites us into This story, because he is the God who comes and dwells with us. And then in the second part of this, we begin to break down and see that Jesus' death on the cross was God's plan. And we kind of looked at the details of this and how that we can begin to see this in this story. And then uh, we looked at his as he goes into the temple. And as he says, the defining character of his temple is that it should be a house of prayer and how that we are the temple of God, that we are the temple and that the defining characteristic of our lives should be that of prayer. Now, hopefully you're starting to see a theme emerge from what we're talking about here, and that is the fact that God is a self-revealing God. And as we begin to look through the story of the Bible, as we begin to look through the life of Jesus, what we really see is that God is making himself known, and in making himself Himself known, it allows us, the one who begins to see it, to know how to respond to him properly so that we can respond right in worship. Now, if you'll remember when Moses brought the children out of Egypt, out of slavery, now the purpose was it so that they could go and worship. And for us as believers, as we begin to see this display of God, this evidence of who God is, as God begins to reveal himself to us and it becomes known in our hearts, then this creates a means and a way for us to worship. So now we can know how to properly worship Worship God, and so today, as we jump in, we're going to get into more of this, and we're looking primarily in John chapter twelve, and this is kind of where we've been coming out of <clears throat> primarily. But in this uh, part of it, before we go to the cross, he makes this statement. He says, "The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies." it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternity. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servants be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now my soul is troubled. And what I say, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? And it's like almost like Jesus puts an emphatic no here to this question. He says, but for this purpose, I have come to this hour that the Father may glorify your name. You know, as I was reading this, there's this uh, couple things that pop out to me. One is that the hour of the Son of Man has come. And in these talking about this hour, we understand this mean to mean the hour of his death. Like the culmination of what he was doing is coming to place. Uh, Jesus knows that the pinnacle of his his ministry is the cross, and he knows that that's the point in which he is moving toward. And he's notifying, he's letting everybody know, hey, my hour is come. We're almost upon it. It's getting here. Here again, God is being a self-revealing God. He's making known what he's about to do. And Jesus is doing this. He said, hey, my, my time is coming. It's coming the hour of my death. And the other part of this is the son of man. Now, this is a term that Jesus used about himself most often. In fact, he referred to himself as this uh, majority of times, the son of man. And this is a term that comes out of the book of Daniel. Now, it's a book of uh, Daniel, and it's, it's a prophecy that he's given about the son of man. And this is the one who will come, and he will give it all authority, and he will rule and have power. And so Jesus is using this term to express himself. Now, this is another revelation of who he is. It's revelation that he is the fulfillment of prophecy, that Daniel was talking about him, but it's also about where he is going. You now, the ultimate end is not the cross. The ultimate end is that he will reign forever in glory. And so he is making this and he's showing this now. But as I was reading this, the interesting question that kind of came to me was this. So why doesn't Jesus come and die and get it over with? And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. What I mean that is that's like my character in a sense is like, I, you know, I want to get something done. If I know that there's a task to be done, if I know that there's an objective to be completed, then I'm, I'm happy and I'm quick. And I want to get it done. Right. Maybe you're that way. You know, you like to check things off the list or you like to the sense of accomplishment when you finish something. Or if there's something looming in the back of your head, you know that it's got to get done. Then you're ready to do it and get it over with. And, and so that's what kind of pushes and poses my question. So why doesn't Jesus just show up and die on the cross and get it all over with? Like Why, why does it need this whole procession, 33 years? You know, he has to obey his parents. He has to walk through all this. Like, why, why that? Why not just get it done? If it's all about the cross, if it's all about him dying and atoning our sins, then just come and do that. Well, see, there's a problem with that because by just coming and dying on the cross— There's other things about his revelation that we don't get. I mean, he could have come and just died on the cross and paid it. Yes, and that would have been it. But it wasn't about him just dying on the cross. It was about getting a pure revelation of who God is. And so in him, not just coming and dying on the cross, but living the life he did, he is fulfilling prophecy to the letter. I mean, that's the thing. We talked about this, and the first one is that Jesus, he, he is moved not by his his desires or his longings. He is moved by the Word of God. Like, everything he does is a response to God's Word, and he makes that evident over and over and over again, that he's doing these things because the Father has commanded him, or because it is in Scripture, and it's already written, Like, and he is fulfilling this. So part of him coming is to fulfill the letter of the law, and he wants to reveal to himself uh, himself in that. And there's a lot of ways that he is described in that, and that we connect those dots and we begin to see. The second thing, you know, is in the garden, and uh, the first is given that he would crush the serpent. Well, by living the life we could not live, he could die the death that we cannot live. And the thing is, is he needed to live the life we couldn't live. And this, this was a time of proving, of proving not that he was obedient, proving not that he was um, without sin. It was proving that he was pure lamb, that he was without sin, that he could be the perfect sacrifice, that he could be the atoning lamb. You know, he didn't need to realize that. God did not need to realize that. But we need to realize that. We need to realize that Jesus lived the life that we could not live. And that because he did, he fulfills all the prophets and the law. Like he completes it to the latter. And we need to be able to see that. And the other thing is that it's, it does, it's bringing revelation to us. The, the Bible has this constant narrative that he's a self-revealing God. And so he is doing this under and understand. Because when we get the understanding of who God is, then we can understand two things. One, it's what we are to do. And then two, how we respond to God. If we didn't have Jesus, we would not know how to respond to God. Because we couldn't do it under the law. We couldn't do it before the law. We were incapable of doing that. And so therefore Jesus had to come. He had to live a perfect life so that we could see Him living a perfect life and then we could know what worship looks like. It looks like obedience. But see, that's the thing we don't like to embrace a lot of times, isn't it? (laughs) We're just rebels in our heart. And that there exposes the depth of our wickedness and how much we need Christ to come and do this. You see, there's three great revelations in this in this story. One is that there's a time of proving, and that time of proving proves that Jesus is who he is. He proves that he was the worthy candidate. He proves that he is the worthy sacrifice. He proves that he is the the righteous one, the just son of God, and he proves that he is the one who is worthy of our worship. The second thing is that he gathers his disciples. I mean, in this time, he gathers his disciples, he trains them, and it leaves a legacy. It it leaves a, a, a means for me and you to get involved in the work that he's doing. I mean, he created a way that we could join him in this ministry, that we could join him in his work. How beautiful is that? And the third great revelation is this, that Jesus chose to die Jesus' death was not just a happenstance. It wasn't a circumstance. It wasn't a series of unfortunate events. Like He wants you to see and he wants to show you over and over again that it was his choice, that he came because him and the Father decided that that was how they were going to redeem mankind. That is how he was going to demonstrate his great love for you, that he would come. And so it was Christ's choice to come and die on the cross And those are the three great revelations we see in that. And so as we continue reading through this, Jesus begins to create another illustration for us. And then he creates, he he shows himself in this. And he says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies. Now, we understand that he's talking about himself. Unless he comes and dies, there's no fruit. And so what he's wanting to show us is that through death comes life. Now, if you're familiar with Jesus, he would often use nature and he would often use these parables to to teach and to show things. And, um, you know, this kind of connects us back to a previous parable that he taught about the sower. And he's talking about the sower and he said the sower comes and he sows seed and some of it falls on the path. The birds come and they devour it up. And then some seed falls on rocky ground where there's not much soil. It springs up immediately, but the sun comes out and scorches it and it dies. Uh, another other seed falls on the thorns. It grows up and it becomes a plant. It takes root, but thorns grow up with it and choke it out. And then there's the seed that falls on the good soil. And the seed that falls on the good soil always produces a great harvest. Well, in this narrative, he begins to kind of go back and explain what he's talking about here, that the path is someone who hears it but doesn't understand, and therefore the enemy comes and takes it away, and there's no evidence that the gospel was ever there. The second one is on the rocky soil, where the one hears it and they respond with great joy. Uh, Maybe this has been you with, with the story of Jesus, is that you've heard it a lot of times, and maybe you responded with great joy, But nothing ended it. I mean, just there was nothing more beyond that. Maybe you went to an altar call and you responded to an altar call because you heard a message. But then you walked away and there was no roots that you developed in your life. And because of a few troubles, you quickly walked away from God. Or maybe you're the seed that fell among the thorns and you hear the word and it creates uh, action in you. But then the thorns grow up and they choke it out. And and he refers to that as, you know, the cares of this world or did the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word. Maybe that was you. There was a time in your day that the word of God was very important. The meaning of the cross was very important to you. But as time has moved on, maybe you've been caught up more with producing a legacy, building a retirement, building a business. Or maybe it's just the cares of the world. Maybe just life has gotten in the way. And then there's the seed that falls on good soil, and the way you always know that if the seed falls on good soil, that it bears much fruit. You see, Jesus is telling you that he's the seed. He's the seed that the Father is sowing, and it's his story that goes out. It's his life that goes out, and his life has come to you. And today, even today, his life has come to you. You've heard the story of Jesus You've heard me talk about it over these sessions. There's probably times before this that you've heard, but unto that now there sits before you. What is your soil like? Are you the path where it just hey, that's that's a cool story, and then go on, or is are you is there rocks on your life where there's great joy that there's an immediate response, but there's no roots. Or maybe life has just choked it out of you. Maybe you've been through some hard circumstances. Maybe you've had some really tough times. And that's not to negate the tough times in life. We don't diminish that at all. There are tough times in life. I mean, Christ went to the cross and he suffered the most cruel punishment by himself. I mean, his best friends left him. Everyone negated him. He's all alone there before himself, even separated from his father for a time. Like, maybe life has just been tough for you and you haven't known how to get through that. You see, from death comes life. And and that's the story here. That Jesus saw that in his own life, that from his death would come your life. Because he is the author of life. And he was willing to be that seed that would go and, and be crushed and die so that you might live. You know, because this is a, a picture of our own lives that through what we suffer or through what we walk, the hardships that we go through, that God would use those. He would take those and He would redeem those for a valuable purpose for His kingdom. And maybe this is where you're at today, like you're walking through a hard time. You know, it's my prayer that God would give you a peace and a calm in the middle of that and knowing that in this struggle, the struggle is not the end of the story. Whatever circumstance you're going through is not the end of your story. But it's the death of you so that from that death, life may come. And yes, we don't understand it at the time. We're, we're finite. We're humans. We, we don't get the picture of God. But it's not whether we get the picture of God or not. It's whether we trust the hand of God. Do we trust the one who sows the seed onto the rocks, the one who sows the seed among the thorns? Do we trust him? So today, whatever you're walking to, my prayer for you is that you would find peace and you would find the hand of God leading you. So Father, I do in this session with a prayer for the one that is, that has been on, that's been rocky, Lord. The, the seed has fallen. It's exploded with great joy, but there was no roots God, I pray that they would learn to grow roots in you, that their roots would grow deep by streams of living water, God. And if they're not part of a church family or they're not connected with other believers, God, that You would help create that in their life, that you would disrupt broken friendships, God, and you would create great friendships that would lead them closer to you, that would help structure that life in you, their their life in you. And for the one that the thorns have sucked out their life and their joy and their hope as they walk through struggles and great pains, God, would you be that ever tender hand that knows how to separate the wheats and the tares, that knows how to separate the sorrows and the joys. And would you be the comfort and the peace in their life that lets them know that your sovereign hand is still in control? And to those whose hearts are good, God, who's, who've walked with you, who've experienced you, who live in great joy and great peace and great understanding, and who love your word and chase after you, God, I, I pray for a ten-time-fold harvest, Lord. God, the evidence of that is a, is a fruit, the evidence of that is a harvest. And so, God, I pray that the harvest would be even greater and God, that they would become sowers of seeds themselves. So God, we thank you for this week that is stirring great hope in our hearts. God, we thank you for your work on the cross that we're going to unpack even more this week. Guys, it's been great going through this. Hey, come join me again tomorrow.